I've got three pieces of good news today. Good news number one, I changed my sermon. Now, you see, the sermon was going to be very dry. It was going to be very stiff. I was going to tell you about what Christians believe in. The statements of faith, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. And um, if I can have the first picture. As I was writing this down, the good news is the Holy Spirit said, no, don't do it to them. So um, as I was thinking about it, I remembered when I was young, I grew up as a Roman Catholic. And my mom used to take me to church every Sunday. And there was um, something called the Nicene Creed that uh, we used to say verbatim every Sunday. And um, I'll keep on talking until they get the picture up. <laughs> yeah. Nicene Creed? Nicene Creed? Okay, so let's keep going. And you said the Nicene Creed. And I said it, there you go. And um, it, it goes along the lines of, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven. And, and I remember when I was about nine years old, I fell asleep. And my dad quickly nudged me. I said, wow, oh my goodness. The funny thing about the Nicene Creed is, I invite you to read it. Because it really is the tenets of the faith of Christianity. It's, it's actually amazing. But the Lord said to me, no, don't, don't, don't tell them what you believe. Tell them why you believe. Tell them how to walk in the conviction of their beliefs. So I said, okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. So today's title of my sermon is Christian Conviction. Christian Conviction. So that's good news number one. Let's, uh, let's go into... Into, into the text today. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 11. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And let's get the picture of the baby. Now, the bit that I want everyone to focus on is this. Good tidings we bring of great joy, which shall be to all people. There's some Bible translations that say among people. You see, this wasn't about Jesus bringing peace to humanity for us all to get along. No. In order for there to be um, a, a sustained external peace amongst us, you have to be walking in the internal reality of peace. And that's why he's called the Prince of Peace. So because I'm quite humorous, the people who know me, I thought, let me use black Jesus today. Amen? Now, 
It's not about color. The real question is, what's the color of spirit? So, <clears throat> let's, go, let's take this a bit deeper. Why do I believe? What convicted me about faith in Jesus Christ? Now, of course, I, I was raised a Christian, but being raised a Christian means nothing. I, that means I grew up with Christian principles. But in terms of my own personal faith in Jesus, it came maybe actually about seven, eight years ago. What's really interesting is that you can be convicted about something, but the thing you're convicted about isn't true. You can go down to Shepherd Bush Market if you want, and you'll see um, some, some Jehovah Witnesses. You'll see the, the Muslims preaching our hard words. Okay, let me take that back for the Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> Giving it out very well, right? But the reality is they're convicted in their beliefs. Can I get the picture of Chris? I'm going to tell you a story about conviction. When I gave my life to Christ and I accepted him as, as, as Lord and Savior, before that, I, was, I, I just came to KT. Um, I was coaching football at Westminster University and teaching as well. I coached football and I, I used to teach um, the, the players. I used to always say this to them, train as hard as you play. And the reason why I said that was because on match days, they would be doing silly things that we didn't practice. And I drilled it into them. About three years ago, nearly to the day, I'm in Westfield, White City. I'm in the Apple shop. And, as, and someone shouts out my name, Andrew. I look back. It's a Chinese guy. I don't know anyone Chinese. So I said, oh, how do you know me? He said, well, it's not me. It's my friend, my colleague. To my shock, the colleague he was talking about was one of the football players in the team. He said to me, wow, Andrew, I heard that you're a pastor now. This is amazing. I said, what are you up to now? He said, I want to be a football coach. I said, wow, you're going to be a football coach. You were like studying finance. He said to me this, you had such an effect on my life that I wanted to, be, to become a football coach. He's now like a, like a UEFA A licensed football coach. He's high level. And I said, wow, I was shocked. And he said, Andrew, I even tattooed what you said. <laughs> I said, no, you didn't. He said, let me show you. So I took a picture and I said, people will never believe it unless I showed them. And on his wrist, he wrote, train like we play, play like we train. He tattooed on his skin permanently a saying of mine. I came out of Apple Shop and I cried. And I said to myself, see the power of words. I couldn't believe someone had tattooed on their skin something that I used to say. He was convicted enough to tattoo on his skin a simple saying of a random man. I came out of Apple Store, I came out of Westwood, and I cried, and I said to myself, from this day on, I'm going to make sure that if anyone tattoos anything on themselves, let it be the word of God. So the question is, again, why am I convicted? Why am I convicted? As much as Chris was convicted, you can put it back on baby Jesus again, as, as much as um, Chris was convicted to tattoo on his skin a word, 
what was my convictions and, and, and how, how, why, how did I even get to this conclusion? Now, we're in the Christmas season. And Christmas is about so many things. Okay, the, the teacher's going to come out of me, so I'm gonna, I need some participation, right? So if I say Christmas, what do you think? Santa Claus, what else do you think? Presents, what else do you think? Say again? Turkey, yes, Turkey. Trust Sam to say Turkey, yes. Right? There's all these things connected to, to Christmas, and of course we get baby Jesus. But the saddest thing about just looking at the picture is that the picture alone isn't enough. In this one baby, represents everything. When I was Catholic, one thing that always baffled me was, how is it possible? I never asked anyone at the time. I thought to myself, how is it possible to, to celebrate his birthday in December? And in my memory, four months later, we're celebrating his death. I needed answers. As I got older, I found out that the four or five month gap actually represented about 33 years, praise God. But when we look at baby Jesus, when we see the nativity scene, when we see the, the, the grotto and all those things, the question is, are we seeing on a superficial level? Are we just seeing a baby born in a manger in a random place in Bethlehem? Or is that picture speaking to you is that picture reminding you the significance of what this baby has done and what this baby represents? One of my biggest challenges about believing anything anyone says is them. As Christians, we're always told we have to live by faith. We have to live based on the word of God. And I realized there was something blocking my ability to walk at a deeper level of conviction. And that thing that blocked me, that thing that was stopping me was the other things I believed. I had to be convinced that this God who says that people say is good, this God that people say is loving, I need to know for myself. Side note. Anything that you believe that has yet to be tested, there is always going to be doubt. I'll say that again. Anything that you believe that is yet to be tested will always have doubt. It's not enough just to say, oh, I believe in Jesus. The question is, have you had an encounter? Because that encounter changes everything. That encounter takes you beyond a place where you just can't turn back. They call me Pastor Andrew. With the insinuations that pastor means you're perfect. Uh-uh. No. You can ask my family, actually. But the reality is this, my perfection may not be um, worked out completely in my behavior and my words, but my perfection is really found in the fact that I have a perfect relationship with the perfect God. 
So back to believing what people say. You're always going to believe someone what they say based on if you really believe them. So let's play a game. Good news part two. Underneath one of your chairs is an envelope. And in that envelope is 10 pounds. Do you believe me? Okay, now no one moved. No one moved. A few people, one or two, three people moved. I'm sure the fact that they moved is connected their, to their bank accounts, but we'll leave that for now. <laughs> right? But the reality is, if you knew me, you would know that I'm actually being very, very genuine. Seven and a half years ago, I sat in that chair where this young boy is sitting. I didn't know Jesus at the time. I just sat there. I came into KT for a random reason. I didn't even know why. And I sat there. And each time I come to this church, I always remember that place. My friend, I want you to put your hand underneath that chair. Yep. Can you feel anything? Is anything there? I want you to open that up. Now, the funny thing is, I know this boy. I didn't know he was going to be sitting there. His name is Elisha. Elisha's been asking me so many questions on Instagram in the last four months, you would not believe. I tried to block him, but the Lord said no. <laughs> Elisha, is there money inside that? There's money inside that. That is for you. You're blessed. Why do I do that? Because that is an example of the gospel. He didn't do anything to deserve that. He didn't ask me for it. He didn't, he wasn't extra nice to his parents. He wasn't trying to be a good person. He didn't try to feed the poor. He didn't try to give, to give money to, the, to, the, to those in need. He didn't do anything. He didn't deserve it. But out of my riches... Out of my riches and my desire to bless, he's blessed. If you can capture what I've just done there, you'll understand the reason why I'm convicted about the God I serve. I didn't deserve God's love. I didn't deserve his forgiveness. I didn't deserve his care. I didn't deserve any of it. But when I was reading my Bible, I realized he loves me. I didn't have to be extra nice. I didn't have to do anything to win his love. His love was for me before I even knew he loved me in the first place. I realized God was for me. We say the verse in Jeremiah about, um, we know for, for, for God's thoughts for us are to prosper us, to bless us. When I was reading my Bible, I actually believed. I said, wow. Wow. He actually loves me. He's actually for me. Even though sometimes I can be not for myself, in my error, he's still there. 
in my mistakes, he's still there. When I'm doubting myself, he's still there, egging me on. When I fall, he's there like a perfect father. Stand up, my son. Walk again. And I realized, I had an image one day. I had an image of, of boxing. I was boxing, I was angry, I was boxing, I was boxing until I had no more energy. I couldn't box anymore. And God said to me, you see, the boxing was all the sins you've been committing, all the, the bad thinking, all the, all the hate you've had, all the selfishness, all the, all the pride and how it's manifested against people. And, but I've still kept on looking at him and eventually I lost the energy to live for myself, to care about myself, to care about the disappointments, the hurts, the pains that's been inflicted by so many people, not just to me, but me against others. And when I gave up hitting, I realized that God was still there. So convictions. Of conviction is a strong belief or opinion, a state of mind of a person who is sure that what he or she believes or says is true. It's so important. If you want to be convicted, make sure the thing that you believe is true. The next question is, what is truth? Truth has been personified as a person. His name's Jesus. In Jesus, there's not only truth, there's love, there's peace, there's forgiveness, there's mercy, there's acceptance. I wanna encourage you all, no matter where you are right now in your walk, whether you believe in Jesus, whether you don't believe in Jesus, I want you to know that this baby Jesus, we celebrate Christmas because of the birth. But to us, to, to us who know, we know that the birth represented the life that led to the death, that led to the resurrection, that led to the ascension, that led to the fact that all those who believe in that receive that life in them. I'll end it with a final joke about my dad. My dad passed away about 12, 15 years ago. And my dad also used to, he, he never remembered where he put his glasses. No matter what, even if they were on his head sometimes. With a thick Nigerian accent, where's my glasses? Who's got my glasses? And then my mom would usually come in and say, check your pocket. And he would say, and he would sit quietly because God forbid a Nigerian old man says sorry. I bring that story up because of this, to wrap it up. God wants to awaken your heart. I'm talking to the Christians. I'm talking to those who don't know Jesus. He wants to awaken your heart. You may know him, you may be born again, but the question is, 
Are you operating in the reality of perceiving him? God doesn't want you just to perceive him. He wants you to see life through his eyes. That's the gospel. He wants to change your internal reality so you can see life in his reality. God is good. And I am convicted about that.